The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. I'm Benjamin Dolly, and this is the VPM Daily Newscast. Duplicate ballots were sent out to about 400 voters in Richmond and Henrico. Patrick Larson has more on the mishap, plus a look at the counting process. Richmond Registrar Kirk Showalter said her office got their ballots late due to arguments over Kanye West's candidacy. Four days before the ballots were supposed to go out. That's on top of historic absentee ballot requests in the city. But Showalter says she's not worried about duplicates. To my knowledge, all the ones that are getting two ballots are contacting us. And they are returning the second, as we requested, unopened. And unique barcodes tied to each voter's registration ensure that no one has their vote counted twice. Showalter says ballots are marked as complete or incomplete as they come in. Voters with faulty ballots are contacted whenever possible to fix them. And that's another reason why you should apply for your ballot now. All ballots in Virginia will officially be counted starting Election Day. Patrick Larson, VPM News. Showalter also says that her office could end up mailing out almost 10 times as many absentee ballots this year than in 2016. She recognizes that this increase makes some voters uncomfortable, but says Virginians have ways to ease their anxieties. All Virginia voters can track their ballots through the mail. Voters can look online at Ballot Scout Virginia for that info. A group of Virginia Commonwealth attorneys wants to stop a bill that would have judges rather than juries determine sentences in criminal cases. The prosecutors made their argument to legislative leaders on Wednesday. Whitney Evans reports. Senator Joe Morrissey says juries are often tougher on defendants than state guidelines. That's why many take a plea deal rather than go to trial. Morrissey's bill hands sentencing responsibility to judges. But 66 Commonwealth attorneys say lawmakers should reject the proposal. Jury sentencing is a direct way for the community to provide a voice in criminal cases. Chuck Slimp is the prosecutor in Wise County in the city of Norton. Whether that be leniency or the opposite. Slimp also fears a glut of new criminal trials, which he says will be expensive, a claim Morrissey rejects. Virginia is one of only six states where juries in criminal cases decide guilt or innocence and also hand down sentences. The bill's headed to the House for a final vote. Whitney Evans, VPM News. Health officials in Richmond say the city's COVID-19 infections are continuing to decline. At a press conference Wednesday, Health Department Director Dr. Danny Avula said new cases have been trending downward for 31 days, and the percentage of tests coming back positive has also decreased for 24 days. Avula says more residents are also taking advantage of free testing events hosted by the city. Anyone interested in attending a community testing event should contact the Richmond City Health District at 804-205-3501. The Richmond City Health District has suspended permits for seven restaurants during the coronavirus pandemic. The permits were eventually reinstated, but as Roberta Roldan reports, health officials are continuing to warn business owners that restrictions are still in effect. Richmond's top health official, Dr. Danny Avula, says the permit suspensions for restaurants were mainly due to staff not wearing masks or enforcing social distancing. In all of those cases, we received a corrective action plan, we re-inspected, and we were able to, to reopen those businesses. Avula says businesses only had their permits suspended if they did not make immediate changes. He also warned that local and state health officials are continuing to investigate complaints. My plea to the community moving forward is that we are not out of the woods and that the guidelines still exist and the mask mandate still exists. 
Warnings are going out that a surge in coronavirus cases could come with cooler weather this fall. Roberto Roldan, VPM News. Virginia is receiving just over $1.4 million as part of a settlement with Anthem over a 2015 data breach. The agreement announced yesterday came after Attorney General Mark Herring joined with his colleagues in 43 states to investigate the breach. Nearly 3.8 million Virginians were affected. Along with the payout, Anthem has also agreed to several provisions to strengthen its security practices. The Attorney General's office encourages citizens to protect their online data by using strong passwords, installing antivirus software, and following basic computer safety guidelines. Leading up to when Virginia decides in the 2020 general election, there's been lots of discussion about misinformation. One nonprofit trying to help people determine what's true and what isn't is the News Literacy Project. VPM News intern Jacob Cordes spoke with Peter Adams, the group's senior vice president of education. Adams says initially the term fake news had a much narrower definition. When it sort of re-entered usage in misinformation circles, it referred to a very particular kind of misinformation, misinformation that was mocked up to look like legitimate standards-based journalism. So a fake name for an outlet with a URL that went with it, often designed to just get clicks and ad revenue. But the term became applied more broadly by politicians and pundits and partisans to refer to uh, anything they wanted to dismiss or draw into question, even if it was fact-based. And then on the part, I think, of some media using it too broadly to refer to misinformation generally. And most misinformation we see doesn't pretend to be news. So it kind of works to cover up more than it elucidates, if that makes sense. Outside of that one very narrow type, what other kinds of misinformation are out there? Well, the most common kind of misinformation is something that researchers at First Draft, uh, an organization that trains journalists to work with and address misinformation, have called false context. So basically any kind of context switch or trick of context is by far the most uh, common. So this can be a quote taken out of context, whether it's a video segment or an actual quote presented as text, photos taken out of context from another time and place entirely. For example, with the recent wildfires, there have been lots of pictures taken from years ago and surfaced and pushed on social media as being from 2020 when they were in fact not. So false context is by far the most common. Obviously, manipulated or doctored or photoshopped images are also quite common. And then increasingly, something that that I've taken to calling uh, sheer assertion. So just a claim posted to Facebook that provides no evidence whatsoever that somehow goes viral. And could you talk a little bit about the News Literacy Project's work with younger people and how you go about educating them about misinformation and how to be a responsible consumer of news? The centerpiece of our student offering is something we call the Checkology Virtual Classroom that lives at checkology.org. It's actually a teacher-facing site. So teachers register for Checkology and then they can create sections that their students can join. And then teachers can create a lineup of lessons. So we have about 13 lessons right now on the platform with a variety of exercises and challenges that help students practice using real examples of information, practice everything from differentiating between different kinds of information. So news and opinion and entertainment and ads, even sneaky ads like branded content to learn more about the role of the First Amendment and a free press and a democracy Lessons about the standards of quality journalism, so that's more of what you would look for in terms of evaluating the quality of a a news piece that you're looking at. 
And then we have a verification center where students can learn actual skills that professional fact checkers use and practice those skills. Was there anything else that you wanted to add? One thing I would add, which might be helpful, is as people evaluate the trustworthiness of information they encounter, it's good to keep in mind that trustworthy information actually doesn't ask you to trust it. It shows you why you should. That was Peter Adams, Senior Vice President of Education at the News Literacy Project. He spoke with VPM's Jacob Cordes. To learn more about how to spot misinformation, head to vpm.org elections. All the stories you've heard can be found online at vpm.org news. This has been the Daily VPM Newscast. VPM. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.